how we function in any way. Membership class is for everyone who wants any information about our church with no obligation to join. And that's in your bulletin. It's coming up on March the 10th. And so if you're interested in that, just want to find out who we, are, who we are and what we're all about, make sure you take advantage of that. And then if you are getting married or looking to get married or are dating pretty seriously and want to know what to look for in a mate, all of that is shared on uh, Sunday night, March the 4th. And that's in your bulletin as well, premarital seminar. Sometimes we think it's only for couples that are getting married this year, and that's predominantly what it's for. But if you're looking for a mate, want to know what to look for, I'm telling you, what we share that night is everything you ought to look for and then some. So I encourage you, if you want to be a part of that, make sure you let us know so that you can be there. This morning is our last Sunday in a series we've been in since January the 8th. As we've started to unpack every various aspect we can about who we are and where we're going in the future. What we would like to be. When you watch your kids, I'm sure you wonder what they're going to be when they grow up. Who they're going to look like is obviously pretty well written on their face, but what will their personalities be like? What will they accomplish? What will they do? We feel the same that way for a church. What do we want to be? We want to be a people who really are transformed by faith. Not just simply saying we're believers, but it's recognizable. God's changed everything in my life. He's changed me from the inside out. I'm not what I used to be. Thank the Lord for that. And maybe I'm not what I need to be fully. But I've watched my life and I've seen it progress. Hopefully all of us within the sound of my voice on a regular basis on Sunday morning can say that. That Jesus Christ really has changed me. He's changed my life, my attitude, my outlook, my actions, my reactions, my language, my investment. That Christ really has changed me. Because we believe all the way through the New Testament once you commit your life to Christ, he changes everything. I can give you story after story after story in the New Testament as well as in life since of people who, when they came to faith in Christ, were really changed. We also want to be people who constantly, continually grow in wisdom. For every day is a new journey with God. Every morning, he tells us in Lamentations, I'm new every morning. And every day and every week and every year in my journey with God, I can watch this progression taking place. Where I really have become a lifelong learner. That it doesn't stop. I haven't learned everything. But I begin to unpack the word of God. And, and anytime I read the word. I, I find that I'm learning something new. And when I explore a section of scripture. That maybe I've been in before. And I see something there. He's teaching me something new all the time. I still find that fascinating about the word. It's been around for a long time you know. Over 2,000 years and hundreds of thousands of translations around the world have been over and over tried to be eradicated or erased. God said, my word will stand the test of time. And as long as it's been around, I'm still fascinated that I can open up a particular section of Scripture. He led me to two Psalms this week that I know I've read before. And he spoke to me new in new ways as I begin to explore the word of God. I hope that you always find that in your relationship with God. We'll provide every avenue we can to help you in that. We want to be people who are intentional in relationships. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And this morning as we finish, intentional in service. People who are transformed by faith, growing in wisdom, and intentional in relationships and service. Today, the last phrase, intentional in service. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Matthew chapter 20, you're going to find a fascinating interchange to me. It's going to be in a lot of scripture this morning, so you can turn as quickly as possible. You can jot them down in your bulletin somewhere. And you can unpack them later. But there's a fascinating interchange between Jesus and the mother of James and John. 
The sons of Zebedee, they're called, in that section of scripture in Matthew. She is the typical Jewish mom. She wants to make sure that her boys are taken care of well. And so it says she comes to Jesus and asks him a favor. And as the story goes on, if I can take some creative liberty in a moment, as the story goes on, Jesus simply said, what do you want? And so she answers that question, we want, and I find it interesting that now she answers in the we. She comes to Jesus, obviously her disciples' sons, who were followers of Jesus, mustered around somewhere and said, we want to ask you this, when, when you come into your kingdom, I, I want to know that my sons can sit with you, one on the right hand and one on the left. And I really believe, I may be taking a lot of creativity, I don't believe she saw this as a future kingdom. I think she saw Jesus coming now. He kept saying the kingdom of God is at hand. She probably heard his messages on that mountain experience in Matthew chapter 5. And I really believe that she felt this new king is going to take over and I want to make sure my sons have good places in your new kingdom. Matter of fact, she's so bold that she says, I want one on your right and one on your left. Not just simply serving in your kingdom somewhere. I want them to have prominent places. Jesus said, ma'am, I don't think you have any idea what you're asking. And at that moment, it began to change. I'm still not sure if she ever really understood what she said. But Jesus said, you have no idea what you're asking. Can you really drink from the cup that I'm about to drink of? I've often wondered as I read that story over and over again that later when they saw Jesus not establish his kingdom on earth like they'd anticipated only to drink the cup of salvation as well as the cup of death on the cross, if she remembered that statement when he said, you have no idea what you're asking. Can you really drink from the cup that I'm about to drink of? And they boldly said, we can. I've often wondered if they stood at the foot of the cross and said, wow, I didn't know that's what it meant to fully die. I didn't know that's what it meant to fully give up everything to serve. Now it's interesting in verse 24, that section of scripture, when the other 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. I think to be honest with you, indignant that they didn't think of it first. Not mad that they had the courage to ask that. It's probably because I wish we would have thought of that. They were indignant at them. Jesus called them together and said, look, I just want you to fully understand what my kingdom is all about. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. And he makes that in a broader context. Not so with you, not even really as he continues in his journey as you unpack scripture, not with anyone who decides to follow me. Not in my kingdom. It doesn't happen that way. It's not a hierarchy. It's not people lorded over other people. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as, and this is the key verse, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. In his case, to offer his life for everyone. I just want you to know, my kingdom works differently than what you think. It is not those positions of authority that you lorded over someone else. If you're involved in my kingdom, I need you to know that just like the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve, I want the same for you. I simply had a takeaway that I wrote in my notes that simply said this. In God's kingdom here on earth, there's no sitting, only serving. I know you're sitting now. But in God's kingdom here on earth, there's no sitting, only serving. 
Last Sunday morning, we explored the last phase of our vision statement, Intentional on Relationships, where we encourage you to experience relationships and the joy of relationships, even with all the risks that that entails. Christianity was never meant to be lived out in isolation. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 that the body of Christ functions best when every member fulfills its role, when every member does what it's supposed to do, when every member is playing their part and fulfilling their function in the body of Christ. That's when it serves itself the best. Last Sunday morning, I introduced to you two concepts, two initiatives that we want to explore. And I recognize that because of the weather last week, not everyone was here. The first one is community groups. We want you to get involved in small groups. We think it's one of the best ways to grow in your relationship with God and to develop community. To feel a part of the family of God on a broader or a more intimate scale than the broad scale on Sunday morning. And so we introduced community groups and a lot of people signed up. We needed three things. We needed leaders and hosts and participants. Got a lot of participants, a, a lot of hosts. And I was, I was thrilled with that. Nine or ten hosts, I think, of people who are willing to open up their homes to do that. We only had three leaders, and we certainly need more than that to do that. But it's a great opportunity for you to connect with other people in the family of God on an eight to ten week basis. If it stays together after that, great. If it doesn't or disbands or you try another group, we're going to do this three or four times a year. It's a great way to find some connectivity. And I'd love for you to explore that. Outside these doors, as you walk out to your left, is places you can sign up for those. Give it a chance, an opportunity to find some relationships in the family of God and a way to get connected. The other thing we introduced to you was something called My Brother's Keeper. We, we, at a large church like this, don't always know when people are gone. I found out this morning a lady that I love and adore has been here for a long time because of pneumonia. I didn't know that. And, and I saw her this morning, and, and, and many of you know that as well. And so if you know someone that's not been here for whatever reason or going to the hospital, let us know that. And this is a great way to do that. And out in the visitor center is a yellow sheet that explains it further than I could do on Sunday morning and a place for you to write who they are and what that may be. And, and we will do our best to contact them and to follow up. I made two calls this week of people that I hadn't seen in a while and both are here this morning in this service. We're not perfect. We won't be perfect. I know that's a surprise to you. We won't do it perfectly, but we'll do our best. And we need your help to do that and to encourage people and to notice when someone's not here and do everything to follow them up on your part. And we'll do our part as well. This morning I want to finish our examination of the last aspect of that. Not only to be intentional in relationships, but intentional in service. And Ephesians chapter 2 is one of the most powerful sections of Scripture that the Apostle Paul talks to us about within the context of the family of God. He talks because of God's great love for us who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in our trespasses and sin. He talks about this transition that takes place when we come to faith in Jesus that I was dead. Man, I had no hope, none at all. I was considered dead to God, but he made me alive in Christ when I embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior and he gave me all that I need in that relationship with Jesus. And he talks about that. He says it is simply God's grace. It's a familiar verse to you, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that anyone can boast. But then he finishes this way in verse 10. We are God's handiwork. We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You and I are God's masterpiece. I love that phrase. I love great art. Not art that I have to figure out what on earth is he trying to say in that. But art that is breathtaking and beautiful. And when I see it, I know what it is. 
And I'm fascinated by the, by the artist as well. My, my wife loves to paint and I, I see some of the things she does and I'm, I'm fascinated by the portrait, but I'm also fascinated by her talent. We, you and I, are God's masterpiece. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you think you are or not, you and I are God's masterpiece. Created for a purpose. Not to sit idly by, not to just look wonderful, but created for a purpose. In his case, he says here to do good works. Not to earn your salvation, he already said that. Not even to prove our salvation. But you're created for a purpose. You are God's masterpiece to do good, to do good works. Paul to the Philippians in chapter 1 says, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy. A smile comes to my face, he says in Philippians chapter 1, because of your partnership in the gospel. That I'm not out there doing it on my own. That I'm not serving you on my own. But I've got a connectivity. I've got partnership with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Patricia Elliott, sitting in our third row here this morning, serves God overseas in South Africa and in Nibia and a number of other places. She would never go without knowing there's a partnership in the family of God that gives her the opportunity to do that. She lets me know when she's leaving and serving God as an evangelist in that capacity. Paul says, I just want to thank, every time I think of the Philippians, I'm so delighted that you partnered with me in the presentation of the gospel, that you just didn't say, go do it, go win them for Jesus. But Paul, we're partnering with you. We'll do everything we can to serve with you in that capacity. Jesus gives a powerful glimpse of the future in Matthew 25. He said, when the Son of Man comes to his glory and all the angels with him, he'll sit on that throne. Not the one that the disciples thought about, but he's going to sit on that ultimate throne. He's going to say to those that are there, come on the right, those who are blessed by the Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came and visited me. The righteous, which hopefully is all of you in the room, are going to say to him, Lord, when did we do that? When did we see you hungry? When did we feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to eat? When did we see you as a stranger needing clothes? And when did we ever see you in prison? And went to visit you. And he said this. Whenever you did it for the least. These my brothers and sisters. You did it for me. Just like Christianity was never to be meant to be lived out in isolation. It was never meant to be a spectator sport. Football is a spectator sport. Football is best described as 22 people on the field who desperately need rest. And 80,000 people in the stands who desperately need exercise. Christianity was never meant to be a spectator sport. One of the key aspects of Christianity is to be living examples of the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what we sang this morning. One of the key aspects of Christianity is to be living examples of the hands and feet of Jesus. Never, as I said, in an effort to earn our salvation or prove our salvation. It's a natural outcome of my relationship with Jesus. Because I love him and he loves me, I want to serve him. I want to be a slave. Not because I have to, but because I want to. Out of my love for him, I want to serve him. Down through the ages, thousands have responded to the call to serve. Willing to give their all for the cause of Christ. Anne Judson was the wife of America's first foreign missionary, Adoniram Judson. Adoniram was 24 years old when he decided that he wanted to leave America and go to Burma. 
Burma didn't have one single missionary in the outskirts of India, India and it was an extremely hostile environment. He was in love with Anne, who was 23 at the time. He wanted to marry her and move to Burma to spread the gospel. Before he married her, he wrote this letter to the father of Anne. He asked, her this, asked him this question. I want to ask you whether you'd consent to part with your daughter early next spring and to see her no more in this world. Whether you'd consent to her departure knowing that she'll be subject to the hardships and suffering of missionary life, to every kind of want and distress, to maybe be insulted, persecuted, and maybe even die. Could you consent to all of this for the sake of him who left his heavenly throne and died for her, you and I? For the sake of people who are lost. For the sake of Zion and for the glory of God. Can you consent to all of this in the hope of soon meeting your daughter in that world of glory and receiving the crown of righteousness? father said yes to that and they left served God in the most amazing place at one point Adoniram was arrested spent 18 months in prison and died at age 37 never ever seeing her father until glory but they can trace their sacrifice and their roots back to 3700 congregations in that country alone I could give you story after story after story of people who have heard the call of God to serve him and willing to pay any price, whatever that price would be to serve him in places all around this globe. In our library are some of the greatest stories you'll ever read of people who really heard the call of God, who knew that it wasn't their place to sit, who really wanted to serve. And so they were willing to do everything to serve the king, knowing that it would maybe cost them everything, but knowing that it was worth the risk. People serving God all over the world, places like Vietnam and Southeast Asia, During the Tet Offensive in 1968, six of them gave their lives for the cause of Christ. I know exactly where I was standing. You know those moments in time? I know where I was standing when JFK was killed. I know where I was when 9-11 happened. I know where I was when I heard the fact that six missionaries in the Christian Missionary Alliance gave their lives in the Tet Offensive to serve Jesus Christ in 1968. In 1975, when all of our American troops had to pull out, and obviously before that and in that, all of our missionaries... Everyone thought the church was going to die and implode. But today, our president went back a year ago to Vietnam and found that there were over one million believers, one million CNMA believers, not counting those of other faiths. That is more CNMA believers in that small country in Southeast Asia than there are in the continental United States. That's twice as many believers in CNMA churches in Vietnam than in the continental United States of people who are in churches like ours in the Christian Missionary Alliance in this country. That is amazing to me. Not obviously everyone who feels the call of God to go to another place or another country to share the good news of Christ are going to give their lives. Many never pay the ultimate price, but they're willing to serve. Many of you, I'm sure, in this audience here support them with your prayers and your resources. You may not be called by God to serve overseas, but you feel called by God to serve with them, to partner with them, as Paul said in that section in Philippians. All of our missionaries are supported by people like you and I and what we give to on the offering envelope that says the Great Commission Fund. Last year, we gave over, well over $300,000 to that fund. And, and many of them want to say thank you for your willingness to partner with them as they serve the call of Christ. I have a video clip that says that.
It excites me in unbelievable ways to know that you and I have the opportunity to partner with people around the globe in places that you would never get to, in countries that maybe very few can ever get to because of the darkness that is there. But we partner with them and we have the opportunity to serve beyond simply sitting in a given seat on a Sunday morning, but to partner with them and seeing what God is doing around the world. Your involvement and service can change a life for eternity, but it only happens when we're intentional about what it is that we've been called to do. Doesn't always have to happen by going overseas. It can happen right where we are. Miller Fuller became a millionaire by age 29. Bought his wife everything that she could possibly want. One day came to her and made an announcement that he had had everything that he could possibly do for her. A few days later, come home to find that he was gone. Went after her. Found her on a Saturday night in a hotel room in New York City. They Talked to the early hours of the morning. She poured her heart out to him and made him see that the things that our society said are supposed to be satisfying had only left her cold. Her heart was empty, her spirit burned out, dead inside, and really wanted to live again. That night, they knelt beside their bed and committed their lives to God, to serving him in any way they could, to serve poor if they could. Next Sunday, being church, they found themselves to the nearest church and went there to worship God and thank him for the new beginning. They dedicated their lives from that point on to serving other people. You may not know their name, but you will know their ministry, Habitat for Humanity. Jason Cruz is a friend of mine, runs the Outdoor Ministry Network. He was here a number of years ago for one of the opportunities that we did with a venison dinner, and he and I connected well. He took a mission trip, like many people do in a given audience like ours, overseas into a very little country in Eastern Europe called Moldova. Most have never heard of it. You look for it on the map and you will see it almost as a speck. But it's called the country of beautiful women. Only to find that almost 60 to 70% of the young gals in that particular nation are involved in sex trade. Changed his life. Came home, still does his ministry, still is involved in his church. But at that moment, he said, I could no longer know what I know and see what I saw and not do something about it. Started a line in his ministry called Mission. Hunting with a purpose or hunting on purpose to serve God and all the products. I, I brought some and we have some that we did that night at the venison dinner and 
all the products that he does, the hats and the t-shirts, all the profits go to support that ministry. He said, I can no longer sit knowing what I know and seeing what I saw and not serve God in some capacity or use the sphere of influence that I have to make a difference in the lives of people. Service doesn't always happen in those ways. It doesn't always happen across an ocean. It could be in your neighborhood, helping an elderly person in the name of Jesus, visiting a nursing home, serving at Katie's Kitchen downtown, or taking meals on wheels around to people, working as, at a camp as a counselor, helping out after a national catastrophe. Many of our own people went to serve after Katrina and a number of other uh, situations like that across America. Serving in places that maybe you wouldn't recognize and maybe not even in our local community, but serving Jesus because they could no longer sit. They wanted to serve. We have hundreds of places that you can be involved here in Community Alliance Church. Within a church our size, you would think we have an overabundance of volunteers, but unfortunately, it's not always true. There are so many places that you can be intentional in service here at Community Alliance. Greeters and workers in the cafe, nursery workers, Sunday school teachers, uh, actors and actresses and family experience, song leaders, small group leaders, youth sponsors, ushers. Hundreds of volunteer opportunities to serve because you no longer want to sit, you want to serve. I want to show you a video this morning of one of our ministries and then explain the inserts are in your bulletin this morning and then tie it up.
There are two inserts in your bulletin this morning. I want you to take them out just for a moment. One says Community Alliance Church, getting connected to serving. And the other says Children's Ministry, Wamba Land and Upstreet. They are literally, and I, please don't misunderstand me. You can serve God in hundreds of ways beyond this church and beyond the doors of this place. We just simply continue to provide for you opportunity after opportunity to serve Christ here. To not sit idly by, to not occupy space, but to really get involved. To know that if I'm serving the kingdom and if I'm serving Christ, I, like him, want to serve and not be served. And there are dozens, literally dozens of opportunities for you to get involved and get connected. We'll provide the training. We'll provide the opportunities. We will help you find the right place and fit for your talents and gift, depending on those abilities and where the greatest needs are. But we can't do it without your involvement, without your willingness to say, let me get involved. Let me get connected. I want to be intentional about serving. I no longer want to sit. I want to serve. Think about it for a moment. You and I have the opportunity to serve the Lord of the universe. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I get calls every so often about being on this board or being involved in that or, or, or doing this or serving in this capacity, and I'm honored by some of them, and I've said yes to some of them. But ultimately, to know that I have the opportunity to serve the Lord of the universe and that I can make a difference in someone's life now and eternity, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't matter what I offer you. It doesn't matter what I would say to you. It doesn't get any better than that, that you and I have the opportunity to serve the God of the universe and make a difference in the life of someone now and for all eternity. But it only happens if I decide to follow the model of Jesus, to serve and not be served, and be intentional. Not wait till I'm asked, but be intentional in that process. In that sheet this morning on both of those, there are tons of places that you can be involved. Ways to write it down, to jot down where you want to get connected. It explains that, explains this one, what some of the needs are without the exceptions or without the explanations and things that you can do or ways that you can get involved here. There's a box here on this corner for the one to get connected in children or in youth and adults and worship and production ministries. You can drop the other one off here or outside those doors. Also on that ministry center is a way to get connected and a way to get involved. And someone will contact you about where that is and help you get connected and help you get in the right place and help you get involved. We want to be a people who really are transformed by Jesus, who has so changed my life that I want to help connect him to other people. That I'm growing in my faith, that I'm growing in wisdom, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus, and I no longer want to wait, I want to get involved. I no longer want to serve, be served, I want to serve. I want to be intentional about relationships. I want to do everything I can to make sure that everyone that I know has found what I've found in Jesus. I hope that's you. That is our desire for us as a church. That that's the kind of people, when Jesus sees us face to face someday, we will have become. Let's pray. Father, we love you.
We love you so much. We're overwhelmed by your love for us. I trust that I'm always overwhelmed by that until we see you face to face. Father, as we continue to grow in our relationship with you and recognize what you've done for us, we don't do it out of obligation or to earn anything. We do it because we love you. And we're delighted for who, with who we are and where you're taking us as a church. I'm excited about the journey. And years from now, when we look back at 2012 and, and look at some of the things we've decided to do and be, we will have known that it was great choices and great decisions. And where we are now is different because we've made a commitment to grow in our faith, to be intentional about relationships, to serve you in a variety of capacities. And we will have made a difference in the lives of people. So as we look back on this last two months, years from now, help us to become everything that you've designed us to be in our relationship with you. In the wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus we pray.